Hello, folks. How you doing? Thank you so much. I'm glad you chose to be with me today. My name is Nolan Ruby, and this is the On Being Christian Podcast. The On Being Christian Podcast is a ministry of the Wasatch Front Baptist Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. And I'm the pastor of the Wasatch Front Baptist Church. I'm looking out over the windows here, and we still have quite a lot of snow on the Wasatch Mountains as it looks out my window here in Salt Lake City. It's quite a stunning view. Sometimes, I don't know exactly how this works, but sometimes there's just the right lack of or collection of moisture in the sky. I'm not sure. I'm talking way out of my way out of my bailiwick here. But whatever happens that makes the mountains look like they're shooting out, like a 3D type of view. And that's the view that I have of the mountains today. It's quite beautiful. I've actually just gotten back from some travels. I, for the first time in 22 years, was down in San Diego, California. I was down there preaching a missions conference for a a separate church, dear friend of mine, Last time I was in San Diego, California, was 22 years ago, and I was at the Marine Corps Recruit Depot for basic training. And so that was quite a trip as I was getting off the plane, looking out the window over at the uh, Marine Corps Recruit Depot. I could see a bunch of little Marines out there, or Marine wannabes, I should say, running around getting screamed at by drill instructors. Anyway, it was a wonderful trip. I praise the Lord for it. It was good to be back and to walk some of those old roads. It is a little bit different. I was able to go on base and look at the PX, and um, I saw some of the pictures that they had on the wall there were actually pictures from the days that I was in, and more specifically, one of the pictures was of a unit a unit that I was a part of uh, during uh, the 2004-2005 campaigns. And then we went down and we were driving around a little bit and they've got a wounded warrior building now on the base there in Camp Pendleton, California. And um, the guy out front, out front of the hospital there or the, the center was a statue. And that statue of a wounded warrior was a guy named First Sergeant Castle. He was actually, uh, I was there with him. We were in separate units, but we served during the exact same time, and my wife asked me later how did it feel. I said, it's kind of weird. My Marine Corps career has become nothing more than pictures of guys on walls and statues of guys that I served with out in front of buildings. So time moves on. I didn't think I was that old, but apparently time moves on pretty quick. Um, I'd like to talk to you today about a subject, and this was actually something that came to mind because I was kind of walking memory lane all this last week. I had a drill, or not a drill instructor, excuse me, I had a staff sergeant who referred to if-then statements, an if-then statement as um, as, as his bread and butter. He, he was very direct, very straightforward, and he always said, If there's this, then there's that. You know, if you work hard, you get the results. If you lazy off, then you get the results. And it was just a very simple approach to understanding work ethic. And I found some of that in the Bible. And so I thought that's exactly what I'd like to talk about today. We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 2 to start off. 1 Kings chapter 2. I'm just going to read the first four verses of 1 Kings chapter 2, and then we'll jump into this. The Bible says, Now the days of David drew nigh that he should die. And he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. 
Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man, and keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest, and whithersoever thou turnest thyself, that the Lord may continue his word, which he spake concerning me, saying, If thy children take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee, said he, a man on the throne of Israel. Now this is the last, some of the last things that David said, and he was speaking to his son Solomon here, and this is known as David's charge to Solomon. And right away in verse 2, he simply makes this statement. He says, Be strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. But he doesn't leave Solomon hanging there. He describes what it means to be strong and what it means to show thyself a man. Now, before we get too far into this, this is something that I believe is greatly lacking in today's society, the concept that strength is not toxic, that being strong is required in manhood. This is something that's faded. This is something that's become... It's, it's, it's not objectively, it has not objectively become out of fashion or out of date, but subjectively, it is under great attack. This idea that softness and um, living your life according to the dictates of your feelings, these are things that are incredibly uh, pushed today. It's not true. So we start off by just understanding this simple command, be strong, therefore, and show thyself unto a man. This is, or show thyself a man. This is David's last words to his son. He said that to start off, he said, I go the way of all the earth. In other words, son, I'm dying. I'm dying and I have a few things to say to you. And the very next thing that he said was, be thou strong, therefore. In other words, there's a concept or there's a statement in, in biblical theology. Whenever you see a therefore, you have, to, you have to figure out why the therefore is therefore. In other words, you got to, why did he say that? So the therefore links the concept of showing thyself a man to the fact that he's not going to have his father anymore. So David says, I'm leaving, I'm dying. And because of that fact, you need to be strong and you need to show yourself a man. And he gives him the how, the why, and the to what end. Now let's look at the how very quickly. Verse 3, he says, Keep the charge of the Lord thy God. Keep the charge of the Lord thy God. Now that's very interesting. The first thing that David says his son isn't do things how I told you to do them, but rather do things how God told you to do it. Now, that takes a great man to pass off to his son the importance of the commandments of God over the traditions and, and, and quote-unquote, importance of his own ideas and philosophies. He said, listen, do it the way God told you to do it. There can't be a better thing than for a father to say to his son, you do what the Lord tells you to. And by the way, moms and dads, 
Has it ever occurred to you that the Lord loves your children more than you do? And the Lord has a way for your children to live their lives that would be that would be more beneficial to them than your way. I think sometimes we try to force things on our children because it would make us happy when it may not necessarily be what the Lord wants for their lives. And so David says to his son, keep the charge of the Lord thy God. That's the first thing he says. This is the how. This is the how he's going to become a man and sh- or show himself a man. This is how he's going to be strong. Keep the charge of the Lord thy God. Number two, walk in his ways. And so he just doubles down on number one. He says, follow the Lord. Walk in his ways. Don't walk in my ways. Don't walk in your ways. Walk in the ways of the Lord. And then the third thing that he says is keep his statutes. He goes on to say commandments. He goes on to say judgments. And then he goes on to say testimonies. And that's the why. That's the why. Let me explain to you what I'm talking about here. All in verse 3, he says, Keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest, and whithersoever thou turnest thyself. So you have, this is the how. I keep the charge of the Lord. I walk in his ways, I keep his statutes, commandments, judgments, testimonies. All of that is the how. That leads to the why, which is found in verse 3, where it says, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest, and whithersoever thou turnest thyself. And so it's not be strong for the sake of strength alone. It's not show thyself a man so that you can be a man among boys. It's be strong and show thyself a man by doing these things because what you want is to prosper in your life. So keep the charge of the Lord, walk in his ways, keep its statutes, commandments, judgments, and testimonies. Why? Why do I want to do that, Dad? Dad's on his deathbed, and he's saying this to his son. His son says, why? That thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest, and whithersoever thou turnest thyself. And so very realistically, he says, if you do these things, you be strong, and you show yourself a man, not the way you have decided manhood is, not the way you have defined strength, but by the way the Bible defines strength, by the way the law of Moses, in other words, the prophets, describes strength, by the truth, the objective truth of God. You live your life by that objective truth, and you will be strong. You will be a man. Why is this important? Because if you do these things, you'll prosper in whatever you do and whichever way you go. Now, that's important because life is never what you decide that it is going to be. You can pick a general direction and go in kind of a non-specific kind of uh, path towards kind of uh, an umbrella type of result, but you don't get to pick the challenges that you face in life. There are things that you do that result in you paying the price for being stupid, but there are less, there's, there's most things in life are very indifferent to whether you do right or wrong. It's just life. Sicknesses come on those who are doing right and those who are doing wrong. In the Marine Corps, one of the first things that we had to learn in combat 
is that death doesn't care what color uniform you wear. Death doesn't care if you're American or non-American or right or wrong or good or bad. Death is indifferent. And when death gets introduced into the conflict, carnage results. It's, it's not, it doesn't pick people based off ideology. You can be right and be just as dead as the guy who was wrong. And that's kind of what David's saying to his son here. He says, listen, you need to guard your life with these precepts, with these judgments and commandments and statutes and testimonies of God, because within this framework is a guarantee that no matter what comes down the road, no matter what challenges you're going to face, you're going to be prosperous in what you do and, and how you do it, not because of you or not for your purposes, but for the purposes of the Lord. So we have the how, that's the keep the charge of the Lord thy God, walk in his ways, keep his statutes, commandments, judgments, testimonies. We have the why, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest and whithersoever thou turnest thyself. And what is this for? To what end is all of this? Well, that's found in verse 4. The Bible says, that the Lord may continue his work, which he spake concerning me, saying, if thy children take heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee, said he, said David, a man on the throne of Israel. And so we have this end result of this is why we do these things. What is the end result of it? What's the goal? That the people of the Lord may be ruled by a person after God's own heart. You understand the benefit of it isn't for self. The benefit is for others. And that's where I think that we get so off base concerning living the Christian life. We're continually looking for the personal benefit. The Bible says the greatest benefit of serving the Lord will be received by, by others, by the others who are in the peripheral of our life. Your wife will benefit from your dedication and service to the Lord. Your children will benefit towards your life being sold out for the cause of Christ. The people that trust you, whether it's in ministry or secular employment, will benefit when you personally keep the charge of the Lord thy God, walk in his ways, and keep his statutes and commandments and judgments and testimonies, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest and whithersoever thou turnest thyself. Why? That the Lord may continue his word, which he spake concerning me. And so this is all just kind of the introduction of David's final words, David's charge to Solomon. Now, in verse 4, we find a very, very big word, and that is the word if. It says, if thy children take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee, said he, a man on the throne of Israel. This is what we have, or right here is what we call an if-then statement. So number one, if thy children take heed to their way. Number two, walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul. Here's the then. There shall not fail thee a man on the throne of Israel. So what you have here is an if-then statement, a quote-unquote if-then statement. An if-then statement is a statement 
of conditional reasoning, a logical equivalency. An if-then statement is a statement of hypothesis followed by a conclusion. I remember my mother was from Pascagoula, Mississippi, and she was active in her combating of the Southern accent because she was a nurse, and she thought that that kind of unabashed Southern accent was hard to understand, especially as a nurse, as a nurse out here in Yankee Land, or that's where I was from, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And so she tried to articulate very clearly things. But every once in a while, when she would get frustrated or she would get kind of mad, some of that old Southern would come out of her. And I remember one day I was doing something. I don't remember what it was, but I was doing something, being a little, being a little turd. And my mother looked at me and she said, Can, how did she say that? She said, keep on how you are, see what happens. And <laughs> I can hear her saying it. She was six foot one. Um, so it wasn't necessarily the most, it wasn't necessarily the most comforting thing that she had ever said to me. But that's what she said. I was doing something and she pointed at me from across the room. And she said, son, keep on how you are, see what happens. And what that was, what that meant was there's, there's a, there's a, a result of the actions that you're portraying right now. And you're not going to like that result. You may get a kick out of these actions, but they lead to results that you're not going to like. And that is the essence of an if-then statement. If you do these things, this is the result. If I obey the Lord, I will prosper. Which would lead me to understand that if I don't, I won't. Which makes that letter if in verse 4 the biggest word in the sentence. If, if I do it, this will happen. If I don't, it won't. You see how easy this is. It's very, very direct. Now, we are looking at David's charge to Solomon, and this was something that David said to Solomon because this is how God talked to David. If we fast forward just a little bit, We'll see in chapter 3, the first 15 verses of chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3, 1 through 15. Bear with me and let me read this to you. Because after David gave Solomon a charge, God charges Solomon. God goes on to charge Solomon. Verse 1 of chapter 3. And Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had made an end of building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall of Jerusalem round about. Only the people sacrificed in high places because there was no house built under the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places, and the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. A thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon that altar. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. That's quite, that's quite the request. Verse 6, And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David my father great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth, and in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with thee, and thou hast kept for him the great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. 
And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. Can I just take a pause for a second? That is such a wonderful attitude concerning a position of leadership. Solomon said, listen, I don't know what I'm doing, Lord, and I need your help. You made me the king over this great people. This, these are your people. They're not my people. They're yours. And I'm trying to fill the, the shoes of my father. His father, David, was a man that the Bible says was a man after God's own heart. And so Solomon understands he's stepping into a very big pair of shoes here, accepting a very big responsibility. And he referred to himself as a little child and said, in essence, Lord, help me. Verse 8 says, And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing, and God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment, behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. So God answered his prayer. He said, not only am I going to do this, you're going to have a wise and understanding heart, but you're going to have a heart that's so wise and so understanding that no one before you and no one after you will rise to your level. That's what the Lord did for Solomon. But that's not all he did. Verse 13, And I have also given thee that riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all the days. I skipped a verse there. Let me go back. He says, I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. And if, here we go, are you ready, folks? Here's your if-then statement. And if thou wilt walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments, as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. So if you do this, then I will do this. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it, it was a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and offered peace offerings and made a feast to all his servants. And so you see very clearly here, the Bible starts off by, by showing us that David charged his son Solomon. And in that charge, David very clearly said, if you do this, then this will be the result. If you walk according to the statutes, commandments, judgments, and testimonies of the Lord, then you will prosper whatever you do, and whichever way you go. And then Solomon, after receiving the charge from David, receives a charge from God. God asks him, what do you want me to do? Solomon says, I want wisdom. The Lord says, oh, I'm going to give you wisdom. I'm going to give you wisdom like the world's never known and will not know after you, but I'm also going to give you riches and honor that are unrivaled in human history. 
And here's the here here's the condition. If if you see that big word there, verse 14, if chapter 3 verse 14 of 1 Kings, if that wilt walk in my ways, to keep my statutes and my commandments as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. So if you do this, then this will be the result. So you see God's charge on Solomon. Verse 5, God said, ask what I shall give thee. I want you to notice here, we find a similar conversation taking place between Solomon's father David and the Lord. Now the Lord, the Bible says that God says, I am God, I change not. And so we see these conversations happening throughout human history with different men. Before this conversation, which took place in a dream between Solomon and God, happened, it happened between God and Solomon's father, David. We see that in 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7, and for time's sake, I'm just going to kind of go through this with you. The reality is that it's the entire chapter, the entire seventh chapter of Samuel, and we see in this Second Samuel chapter seven uh, this this kind of similar conversation take place between God and David. I want to draw your attention down to verse four first, and it says, "And it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying." Go and tell my servant David, thus saith the Lord, shalt thou build me a house for me to dwell in. And so you have this whole conversation take place. This is where the man of God is sent to David by God himself. Jump down to verse 12, and we'll read uh, 12 through about 18 here. Starting in verse 12, the Bible says, And when the days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. So David was told by the man of God, who was sent to David by God himself, that if David was going to do this, he was going to do it right. And if he did it right, that whoever came after David from his own bowels would carry on what David built and make it go even further. Verse 13, he shall build an house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. Now, can I take a a brief pause here? I want you to understand something. David was being told, David, I will be your son's father, and he will be my son. What do you think would have happened if David was threatened by that? Sometimes, fathers, I think we forget that our sons are God's sons. God loves them, and God desires things for their life that you and I may very well not even be able to comprehend. And if we do our job right, we as fathers will give ourselves to our sons until there's nothing left of us. And they should be able to reach further for the cause of Christ They should be stronger, smarter, more compassionate, more loving men than we could ever be. Because God loves them, and they belong to him much more than they belong to us. Now, if we pick it up in verse 14, he says, I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men 
and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee, and thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever, according to all these words, and according to all this vision. So did Nathan speak unto David. Then went King David in and sat before the Lord and said, and he said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that thou hast brought me hitherto? That's such a great attitude. David, in the middle of all this, went to the Lord and said, Who am I? Who am I, Lord, that you would love me, that you would do this for me? That's okay. That's a good attitude to have, but it's not our call. The Lord chose you to be the, 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 the father of your son, the pastor of your church, the husband to your wife. If that's what the Lord chose for you, that's his choice. Serve him. Serve him with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, according to the doctrines of the Bible, not according to tradition or religion or the way you think that it should work. Give him everything you got, and make sure that the ones that you love for the cause of Christ are, are able to go further than you ever could. If you jump down to verse 21, 2 Kings, or excuse me, 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 21, the Bible says, For the word for thy word's sake, and according to thine own heart, hast thou done all these great things to make thy servant known, or to excuse me, to make thy servant know them. Now jump down to verse 25. It says, And now, O Lord God, the word that thou hast spoken concerning thy servant and concerning his house, establish it forever, and do as thou hast said, and let thy name be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is the God over Israel, and let the house of thy servant David be established before thee. For thou, O Lord God, Lord of hosts, God of Israel, hath revealed to thy servant, saying, I will build thee an house. Therefore hath thy servant found in his heart to pray this prayer unto thee. And now, O Lord God, thou art that God, and thy words be true. And thou hast promised this goodness unto thy servant. Therefore, now let it please thee to bless the house of thy servant, that it may continue forever before thee. For thou, O Lord God, hast taken it. And with thy blessing, let the house of thy servant be blessed forever. And it goes on, and that's the final verse of chapter 7 of 1 Samuel. Excuse me, Second Samuel. And so we see this conversation taking place between God and David, where God tells David, if you do what I tell you to do, this is going to last. And you're going to have a son who comes after you. And if he does what I tell him to do, this is going to last. So it starts to make sense that on David's deathbed, he charged his son with the same charge that God gave him. Do what you're supposed to do, and God will do the rest. I think sometimes we try to control too much of this. We try to come up with these different systems and ideas and try to be in charge. And folks, that's not for you and I to do. This all belongs to God. And if we are to uh, give a tradition or an, or an inheritance to those that come after us that's worth anything, that it's going to have nothing to do with us and everything to do with God, David's request is that his house may continue forever, because that is what the Lord told him he would do, and that's what you see taking place in 1 Kings chapter 3. We'll go back, excuse me, go back over to our text. 
uh, 1 Kings chapter 3. We already read this, 1 through 5, but just for, for a reminder, verse 6, if you look at verse 6, it says, And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy. And we just read that. According as he walked before thee in truth. So what was the mercy shown to him for? Because David walked according to truth. He walked according to truth. And in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. So Solomon never forgot where he came from. He understood that the promise that was being made to him uh, was being was made to his father first. The kingdom would be that would would be his, as long as he understood the if then statement. David was king because he understood if he did right, the king, the true king, the king of kings, God the Father would bless. That was David's charge to Solomon on his deathbed. That was God's charge to Solomon after he asked him what he wanted, and that's what Solomon understood. And he said this in verse 7, I am but a little child. Verse 9, give therefore thy servant an understanding heart. Why was Solomon asking for this? Because he knew that without it, he couldn't do the job. He wasn't the man for the job. Sometimes I think that we have a much too high opinion of ourselves. We're the man for the job. I can get it done. Not without God, you can't. If we went to the Lord more with Solomon's heart, I am but a little child. Give me, therefore, thy servant an understanding heart. How, do you, how much do you think would change about churches in America or America itself if men understood that wisdom comes from God? and not from traditions, and not from Ivy League educations, which you give $200,000 plus for, to put a little gold-edged piece of paper on your wall. Where does actual wisdom come from? I was talking to a guy just this last week, super smart guy, had no idea what to do with any of the stuff that he knew. He quoted stuff, he knew stuff, he had all the proper uh, you know, references and education, and he could just spit facts all day long but he had no idea what to do with them. He didn't know how to apply any of it. I think I've told you this before. My grandfather taught me this. He said, knowledge is understanding that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting tomatoes in a fruit salad. Sometimes I think so much of the preaching that comes across from pulpits all across our country is fruit salad filled with tomatoes. It's disgusting. It's not very palatable. And most men just find somewhere else that they'd rather be. If you go to 1 Kings 3, verse 12, this continues. He says in verse 12, I have done according to thy words. There was a lot of confidence that he had, but it wasn't in because of what he was doing. It was because he knew he was doing what the Lord told him to do. In fact, you see that in verse 13. It says, and I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked. And the Lord goes on, and he gives them, gives him an if-then statement in verse 14, and we read that. If, walk in my ways, keep my statutes and my commandments, then I'll lengthen thy days. And so the length of days was directly dependent on him using those days for the glory of God. Sometimes, you know, we all want to be rich, but we don't want to do anything that it takes to get rich. And we all want to live long lives but we don't want to do anything that it takes to live a long life. And we all want blessings from God, but we don't want to do any of the things that it takes to get the blessings. Lord, when I rub the bottle, you come out and grant me three wishes, and then leave me alone. 
That's not Christianity. That's it's secularism, it's hedonism, it's humanism. I want what I want, and I don't want the Lord to have any say in it. I want all the power, none of the responsibility, all of the privilege, none of the sacrifice. That's not how this works. You see this in 1 Kings chapter 4, if you go over just one page, 1 Kings chapter 4, 22 through 28, the Bible says in Solomon's Uh, Let's see here. And Solomon's provision for one day, this is in reference to what the Lord gave Solomon. Listen to this. And Solomon's provision for one day was 30 measures of fine flour and threescore measures of meal, 10 fat oxen and 20 oxen out of the pastures and a hundred sheep besides hearts and roebucks and fallow deer and fatted fowl. For he had dominion over all the region on this side, the river from uh, Tefsa, even Aza, over all the kings on this side, the river. And he had peace on all the sides round about him. And Judah and Israel dwelt safely, every man under his vine and under his fig tree, from Dan even to Beersheba, all the days of Solomon, and Solomon had 40,000 stalls of horses, 40,000 for his chariots, and 12,000 horsemen. And those officers provided victual for King Solomon, and for all that came unto King Solomon's table, every man in his mouth, they lacked nothing. Barley also, and straw for the horses, and dromedaries brought they unto the place where the officers were, every man according to his charge. That was just, that was, that's what Solomon went through on a daily basis. That was what the Lord gave Solomon. Why did Solomon get it? Because he understood that if he did what was right, the Lord would do the rest. And you see this all throughout the Bible. If you look at verse 29, look what it says there, 1 Kings chapter 4 and verse 29 and God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much and largeness of heart, even as the sand that is on the shore. If you jump down to chapter 5 and verse 12, the Bible says, And the Lord gave Solomon wisdom, and he promised him, and there was peace between Haram and Solomon, and they two made a league together. And so now you have this picture. Solomon's provisions exceed the provisions of a small town on a daily basis. He's also making um, friends out of people that were once enemies. Uh, Everyone that's serving him, everyone that's working for him is lacking nothing. His provision is extending down through all the ranks. Everyone's happy. Everyone has everything they need and a whole lot of what they want. And where there were enemies, there were peace. How is all this possible? He was doing what the Lord said to do. That is literally the simplicity of being a Christian. Folks. Do what the Lord says, and the Lord will bless. It's an if-then proposition. It's not hard to wrap your mind around this. It's a logical equivalency, a statement of hypothesis followed by a very understandable conclusion. If I do what I'm supposed to, the Lord will bless. Where we often go wrong is when we start describing what we want those blessings to look like, 
and it's not exactly what the Bible says they are. That's where we get in trouble a little bit. So let's just recap very shortly. David charges Solomon. We looked at that. And then we looked at God charging Solomon, and we looked at some of the realities about what Solomon was doing. He remembered the conversation that David had with his father, and he remembered the conversation that he had with his father. Now let's look at the third point. God reminds Solomon of the charge. If you go to 1 Kings chapter 6, 1 Kings chapter 6, I'll start in verse 9, read down through verse 14. The Bible says, So he built the house and finished it and covered the house with beams and boards of cedar. Then he built chambers against all the house, five cubits high, and they rested on the house with timber of cedar. And the word of the Lord came to Solomon, saying, Concerning this house which thou uh, excuse me, concerning this house which thou art building, if thou wilt walk in my statutes and execute my judgments and keep my commandments to walk in them, are you ready? Here it comes. Then will I perform my word with thee, which I spake unto David thy father. And I will dwell among the children of Israel and will not forsake my people Israel. So Solomon built the house and finished it. And so in the middle of building the house for the Lord, which David provided all the things for, Solomon's father provided all the things, gathered all the material, Solomon was entrusted to building it. And in the middle of it, you find the Lord remind Solomon of how this works. If you do what I tell you to, then I will bless. Verse 12, concerning the house which thou art building, it says, if, and he says three things, walk in my statutes, execute my judgments, keep all my commandments to walk in them. There's the three things, and then here's the then. Then will I perform my word with thee, which I spake unto David thy father. Verse 13 says, uh, will not forsake my people will not forsake my people. So why is America struggling? Because men have forsaken God. Why are churches struggling? Because churches forsook God. Why are individual homes struggling? Because we run our homes on Disney and Amazon Prime and Netflix and Comfort, and God is not honored. Folks, this is as real as it gets. If we serve him, he will bless. That is as simple as it is. My, my father-in-law had a saying. He said, it might be hard, but it's not complicated. This is pretty simple. Do what you're supposed to do. You say, well, what does that look like? Well, when's the last time you were in church on a faithful basis? I tell folks here at Wasatch Front Baptist Church all the time, the Lord doesn't make faithful the qualified. He qualifies the faithful. The Lord can use faithfulness. He can build in those who are faithful whatever skill he needs. And so faithfulness, this is what it all rises and falls on. If you stay in 1 Kings, go to chapter 9. 1 Kings chapter 9. I'll read the first nine verses here, and then we'll kind of conclude the the thought of the if then statements that were being made to Solomon first kings chapter 9 if i start in verse 1 and it came to pass when solomon had finished the building of the house of the lord and the king's house and all solomon's desire which he was pleased to do that the lord appeared to solomon the second time as he had appeared unto him in gibeon and the lord said unto him 
I have heard thy prayer and thy supplication that thou hast made before me. I have hallowed this house which thou hast built to put my name there forever, and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. And if thou wilt walk before me as David thy father walked in integrity of heart, and in uprightness to do according to all that I have commanded thee, and will keep my statutes and my judgments, though there is your if, verse 5, then I will establish the throne of thy kingdom upon Israel forever, as I promised to David thy father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man upon the throne of Israel. But if thou, or excuse me, but if ye shall not, but if ye shall at all turn from following me, Ye or your children, and will not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel out of the land which I have given them, and this house which I have hallowed for my name will I cast out of my sight, and Israel shall be a proverb and a byword among all people. And at this house which is high, every one that passeth by it shall be astonished and shall hiss, and they shall say, Why hath the Lord done this, or thus, unto this people and to this house? And they shall answer, Because they forsook the Lord their God, who brought forth their fathers out of the land of Egypt, and have taken hold upon other gods, and it's spelled with a little g there, little g gods, and have worshipped them and served them. Therefore hath the Lord brought upon them... All this evil, if, verse 4, walk before him in integrity of heart, in uprightness, do all I have commanded, keep my statutes and my judgments, that's all verse 4, then, verse 5, I will establish forever, but then there's a but in verse 6, but if ye shall not at all turn, Here's the second then, verse 7. Then will I cut off, verse 9, because they forsook the Lord their God. How simple is this? If I serve him, he will bless. What's the first way that you have to serve the Lord? The Bible says that Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, says he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So what's the first commandment? Love the Lord. How do I do that? Well, humanly, I can't. I have to have Christ. The Bible says that God said, with respect to his own son while he was on earth, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It's by the grace of God that we have access through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to the throne of God. And so the first thing that I'm commanded to do is turn from myself and accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and my personal Savior. And it is through Jesus Christ that I can have a relationship with God the Father. And how is that relationship governed? How does it work? It's very simple. If I do what God says, then everything works. How simple is that? If I don't, not because God is some... Uh, psycho deity who's giving games to play from heaven. It's very simple. God says for us to do certain things 
because he understands the blessings of objective truth. He says, walk this way. Why does he say that? Because it's good for us to walk that way. Why is it? Why do we think that we have a better way than the author of the ages to live life? So if I do what the Lord says, then I'll be blessed. This is what David said to Solomon on his deathbed, because it's what God told David throughout his own life. And then after Solomon was told this by his father, he was told it by God himself. And then he was reminded by God himself, if you do this, I will bless. But if you don't, I won't. So dads, moms, what's your home like? Are you following the testimonies and commandments and judgments and statutes? of the Lord in your home, or are you not? Would it be a bold statement to say that I, I think I would believe, regardless of the indifference of the things in life that often will come at you, if I were to serve the Lord with every decision that I make, the Lord will prosper in my life. Not that my life will prosper according to how I define it, but the Lord's name will prosper by the example he is able to set in my life. How do I do that? Serve him. Serve him. Do what he says. What's the first thing that he says? Accept his son as your personal Lord and Savior. Okay, what do I do after that? Go to church. Be in church. The Bible says that God makes himself manifest, which is a word that means uncovered or known, by the preaching of God's word. I'm not going to make, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have a relationship with God if I don't go to where he's talking, which would seem to make sense. Let's look at the takeaway here. Folks, history repeats itself over and over and over again. If we jump over to 1 Kings chapter 11, there's 10 verses I'm going to read and we'll be done. Chapter 28, or excuse, excuse me, chapter 11, verse 28 through verse 38. The Bible says, And the man, Jeroboam, was a mighty man of valor, and Solomon, seeing the young man that he was in distress, distresses, he made him ruler over all the charge of the house of Joseph. And it came to pass at that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem that the prophet Ahijah, the Shalonite, found him in the way, and he had clad himself with a new garment, and they too were alone in the field. And Ahijah caught the new garment that was on him and rent it in twelve pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, Take thee ten pieces, for thus saith the Lord thy God of Israel, Behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon, and will give ten tribes to thee. But he shall have one tribe for my servant David's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, because that they have forsaken me and have worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, 
And it goes through and gives all of these gods that belong to all of these other nations. And he's saying, they're worshiping them. They left me. It goes on to say uh, that what they're doing is to do that which is right in mine eyes. That's not what they did. And to keep my statutes and my judgments as David, his father. He says, here's what they were supposed to do. They didn't do any of that. Instead, they worshiped all these other gods. Verse 34, how be it? I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand, but I will make him prince all the days of his life for David my father's sake, whom I chose before he kept my commandments and my statutes. Or excuse me, because he kept my commandments and my statutes. But I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand and will give it unto thee, even ten tribes. And unto his son will I give one tribe, that David my servant may have a light all way before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen me to put my name there. And I will take thee, and thou shalt reign according to all that thy soul desireth, and shalt be king over Israel. And it shall be, if thou wilt hearken unto all that I command thee, and wilt walk in my ways, and do that is right in my sight, to keep my statutes and my commandments, and David my servant did, that I will be with thee. And build thee a sure house, as I built for David, and will give Israel unto thee. So now he's talking to Solomon's son. He's saying the same thing to Solomon's son that he said to Solomon. He said the same thing to Solomon that he said to David. If you do what I tell you to do, it will work out. If you don't, it won't. It may be hard, but it's not complicated. Verse 38 of chapter 11, Hearken unto all I command thee, walk in my ways, do his right, in my sight, do that which is right in my sight, keep my statutes and my commandments. Then, that's the if, then I will be with thee and build thee a sure house. Folks, do you want a sure house? Do you want the Lord to be with you? This is not complicated. It might be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life, but it's not complicated. Do what the Bible says. If you do that, you will be blessed, period. Now, history repeats itself. Human history, through leadership, has gone up and down and up and down and up and down for some 6,000 years. What stops the up and down? Obedience to the Word of God. You want a house that brings the Lord joy? You want a, a reputation, you and your family? that people can count on. Do what the Bible says. If you do it, you will be blessed. On David's deathbed, this is out of all the things that he went through, out of all of his experiences, this fact is what, it, what he wanted his son to know. What would you want your son to know? What would you want your daughter to know? Would you want them to take your ideas and concepts into life, or would you want them to take the ideas and concepts and testimonies and judgments and commandments and statutes and testimonies of the Lord into their life? What do you want for them, and do you want what God wants for them? As I said before, you need to understand that God loves you, and He loves your children more than you do. I know that might be a hard concept to grasp, but we are just stewards of everything in this life. I love my sons. I love my daughter very, very much. But I'm well aware that the Lord loves them more than I do. He loves them so much that he gave his only begotten son on the cross to die for their sins. And that through him, 
they can have a relationship with God, not through me. And so what do I want as their father? I plead with them. Do what the Lord says. Love the Lord. Honor the Lord. Serve the Lord. And leave the rest in his hands. Lord, we ask these things as we've read through the Bible. We ask that you would, that you would be in charge of these things. All we can do, Lord, is just say, please help us. We leave it in your hands. Help us to be worthy of that which you've given and to be, as, as we started off, as David told Solomon, uh, Father, teach us to be strong and to show ourselves a man. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen, folks. Thank you so much for being with me. It's been a privilege. It is a privilege to have this platform and to be able to talk with you. If you have any questions, you can get a hold of me directly on the Wasatch Front Baptist Church website. The that's spelled W-A-S-A-T-C-H. That's Wasatch Front Baptist Church. We're located here in Salt Lake City, Utah. The office line is on that website, and um, my email directly to me is right on that website as well. So if you have any questions, please reach out. I hope you enjoyed this. Thank you for spending time with me, and I uh, I, I look forward to talking to you again. It's been a wonderful weather uh, pattern here. We've got buried in some snow But um, it's starting to lighten up, and we're seeing some clouds. I'm enjoying it very much. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.